Yo, 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 yo. Welcome back to another episode of the Nick and Griff Show. Today is Saturday, March 26th. It is 9-11 a.m. Let's jump into this market check here before I introduce somebody you might be seeing here. Looks like uh, we had another another good climb here in the markets here in the S&P. Um, I don't know what exact percentage this is, but uh, had another climb in the S&P. Uh, the Dow Jones kind of up and down a few times, but uh, looks like it's up a little bit, uh, 153 bucks there. And Bitcoin had a nice little jump here this week as well. Um, zoom out and see where we're at here on these. Um, looks like everything is uh, is moving up, which again, you know, who, who knows what this really means. But uh, Griff, what do you think about whenever you see these numbers here? Oh, also for, for the people that are just listening, the S&P sitting at 45, 43 the Dow Jones sitting at 34,861, and Bitcoin sitting at 44,276. So, Griff, what's your thought here on this? Um, I mean, honestly, money isn't very real right now. So, like the fact that these things are closing higher amidst <clears throat> obviously a lot that's going on in the real world, it's not really all that surprising. The VIX going down, uh, yep. I mean, I guess it's pretty predictable. It's pretty high for a while. And Bitcoin made a nice, nice uh, little jump. I mean, I I keep seeing from a lot of the on-chain guys it needs to break like forty-six or forty-seven to beat a lot of resistance. But I think outside of the price of Bitcoin, it was a huge week. There were so many things that happened positively for Bitcoin, and if you're really uh, getting going with Bitcoin and investing into it. Pfft, Exxon Mobil mining it is just the first of many big pillars. Russia saying that they're going to accept it for oil payments is just the first. But the fact that it's only at 44000 I think, is got to mean that it's probably one of the only undervalued assets still out there to invest in. I mean, I don't know what you think, Nick, but. Yeah, I mean, uh, you, you know what the deal is, man. One Bitcoin's one Bitcoin. We know that one dollar is not quite one dollar. To gas prices out there for you, Odie? Do you have any thoughts here on uh, on where the markets are at? Yeah, I think they're looking. It's I think it's starting to look. We had a little downturn, um, you know, at the start of the year, at the end of January uh, and February, but I think we're starting to see kind of like um, a little bit of steady growth this week, which is hopefully there's some good upside, um, you know, for as we get in here to spring and and, and start summer off here. Um, but like I said, I think. Um, I'm excited to see where where this market market might go next, um, but I think Bitcoin is, um, you know, without some regulations and stuff, is is starting to look um, really good, and and it's going to almost look uh, kind of, uh, I would say, like almost um, all the resistance. I think is going to they're going to start kind of circling back. I think um, here in the next year, six months, I think, and be like, oh crap, this is something uh, possibly viable. Yeah. Let me take a second here to introduce our third guest to the Nick and Griff show, Tyler Odekoven, formerly known as Odie or T.O. I don't know. He's got several. He's got uh, many several nicknames. nicknames. Cody Ovens, Covens, Ovens, Coven Oven uh, is, is one of them. Uh, T.O. and Griff and I, we were all teammates at the University of Albany. Uh, Griff and I, as you guys may know, were quarterbacks. Odie was a receiver. He's actually a two-time uh, top 10 sports center, uh, top 10 plays, whatever that, whatever that exact thing is called. What is it called? Odie? You know, what it I don't is. know. Top, I guess, sports center, top, 
10. He's in like, the, yeah. he's in like the fraternity of top 10 plays. Especially <laughs> I guess like in a, in a very specific fraternity of like yes. FCS football plays where the video isn't always as good as like <laughs> the other ones, but his catches were better than everybody else's. So it was like, it's, it's great. Uh, Odie is also the host of the TO show. Go check him out. Um, we'll, uh, we'll uh, plug that here in just a few here where, where we can find him. We'll, we'll do that here in a little bit at the end, but uh, also a host uh, of a podcast himself. Um, things are moving really well. Um, he's also uh, at this point, he's, he's rocking his first spring, not having spring football. Yes. And I think he's, uh, he's enjoying the, uh, the time of slumber. Uh, and he is moving. Uh, when, when are you moving to, um, to William and Mary? Uh, I'll be there in June, like June first ish. So, okay, so, so you're um, getting started there this summer. Then starting there this summer. Excited to kind of get a new chapter, new kind of perspective. Uh, I mean, I've I've been around you guys and kind of got your um, perspective on different college football, but I haven't necessarily experienced like a different team and a different culture. Um, so that'll be I'll be looking forward to that. Yeah. yeah so when you, did you decide that? Well, how long ago did you? decide to transfer and then how long did it take for you to pick a new school so i think honestly like now looking back on it man i mean i during the season i kind of like i was thinking about it for sure mm-hmm. um but um i when i really actually dove into it i decided hey this is like what's best for me at the end of the day so you know I, and i ended up entering the portal in january like end of january and in two weeks i committed to william mary so i wanted to make sure that i didn't want like especially with the last last semester of um undergraduate i want to make sure i was like had it figured out before so i could just focus on school like focus on training and focus on my podcast and all that stuff so i didn't have to really worry about like hey where am i gonna go next i really just wanted to freaking find a place find a place that wanted me and no. And so this is your last year. Out. This is your last year coming up in the fall. I have two more technically with COVID. So oh, that's wow. why I'm able. So it's awesome. I'll be able to get a full MBA um, while I'm in, in college um, for practically free. So I'm really excited um, about the opportunity to do that. That's dope. Um, so Griff, I don't know if you've talked with, uh, with Odie a little bit about what he's doing with his podcast, but uh, pretty, uh, pretty interesting with this guy's rocking over there. I mean, got, got kind of a, a full team role, rolling, uh, editing clips, editing videos. Um, you've, you've kind of rebranded the show as well. You've got a new logo, some new branding on your actual video. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty interesting to see you putting together a team. And, you know, you had tell, told me about, um, I don't, it didn't seem like the goal was necessarily to, you know, blow it up and make huge, huge money with it, but you're, you're juiced about getting experiencing or getting experience, uh, building a team, managing a team, leading a team. Uh, what, what are, uh, what are your experiences with that? Yeah, so, far? I, I, so like I originally started the podcast like almost a year ago, um, just over a year ago now. Um, and it was kind of just more or less to give like other athletes, you know, um, a platform to talk about whatever they want to talk about. And I kind of just wanted to give other, other teams, other players, um, not necessarily on Albany, but from, from around the country, like a platform to talk about, but, you know, I, in the fall, I kind of got like sidetracked, you know, with football and school. And so I, I, most of my time I was editing the videos like all myself. So like, I wanted to be able to, 
excuse me, um, be able to um, talk about or be able to focus on other things while still having the podcast. So I was like, man, I need to hire some people. Um, so, and I, and I think along with that, I was like, I want some real life managing experiences. Like you go to school, like you can learn whatever you want to learn about, like, but until you get those real life, like application of it, like I've learned more working, like doing various internships or various jobs more than I have like learned in school actually. So like being able to do it like firsthand, um, I think is going to help me out, like figuring out, Hey, what, what's my management style and what are these little things? You know, it's not necessarily like on a daily basis, we kind of meet weekly and I want to give a big quick shout out to all the video editing, um, interns and marketing, um, interns that we have, you guys have been doing a great job. They've been all doing an awesome job. Um, and I'm really excited about, you know, um, where this will take me, you know, it's more or less not necessarily about getting likes or clicks, but, um, we just want to give, other student athletes, a platform to be able to talk about whatever they want to talk about. And if the clicks and stuff come on with it, then great. That's dope, man. I, I got to ask another question um, regarding, you know, giving student athletes a, a place to talk. Um, you know, Griff and I transferred several times. Um, you, you went through the recruiting process one time coming out of high school. Um, what was it like? Cause you were at Albany, what, three years before you're transferring now? Yeah. So yeah, technically four um now, yeah four. so yeah so i mean co coming like the recruiting process like before albany you know it's it's terrible you know it's it's you know unfortunately like and i don't want to like bash college football but unfortunately like it's a business it's just it's it's you got to understand that it's a business side of things um as well and so you know be being kind of like a skinny kind of you know, white receiver, it's, it's, it's really tough to get recruited. You know, they're looking for um, a certain body type or a certain um, type of player. And so just finding like um, an ability, just finding like a place that really wanted me was really tough. And, you know, like I said, I, I'm thankful for Albany um, for actually like believing in me and, and, and stuff like that. Um, you know, but the recruiting process is it, you either go, it's either goes one or two ways. You either like a sod off recruit, recruit and it's great like you get to feel like hey you're a million bucks during the process or you kind of just feel like you're just kind of like a side thought so yeah. um you know at the end of the day it's it is what it is um it probably won't change but hopefully with some of these like new rules like of transferring it's really giving some power to um the student athletes um when they get to college um but it's also hurting the student athlete because they're they're not doing a lot of education um, about like the transfer portal and, and, um, you know, what, it, what does it take to get to uh, another school or what grades do you need or, um, some advice from like people who've actually transferred, um, yeah. and, and have been successful doing it. You know, uh, I think one of the tough parts and, you know, every time that I had transferred, uh, we did not have the transfer portal. And I believe, uh, Griff, were you, did you use the transfer portal whenever you left Albany? Yeah. I mean, I don't really know, you know, like what is <clears throat> using the transfer portal mean? The transfer portal literally does nothing for you. No. But yeah, when I transferred, I think I, I was in that joint, you know what I'm saying? I was, my name was listed. Yeah. yeah. It's an interesting process. That's for sure. It's not one that uh, I would recommend to the faint of heart or somebody who's like afraid of rejection. You know, it's odd. Like I've gotten into sales post football, but sales literally 
um, is the same as college recruiting. <laughs> and like, and I mean, literally like it's the same thing. Like I do medical sales, outside sales, um, work with a lot of doctors and I cover a pretty big territory. So like if I were a college coach, same thing, you know, you go to a few high schools or a few ju- JUCOs, maybe there's transfer portal, but um, it's, a, it's such a business. You go after your targets, you go after your accounts, quote unquote, um, and you try to win them. I mean, and now that I look back hindsight college football, I mean, yeah, like when you're getting recruited, they're just trying to win you over <laughs> for you to sign that piece of paper. And then once you get there, you know, I mean, you guys can speak from experience as well. I didn't have too many coaches that that attitude they took into recruiting me, they decided to take when I actually got to that school, it almost completely changed every single time. Um, and that's why I wouldn't say I have too many college football coaches that I consider friends to this day. Uh, I would almost say if anybody does, I'm kind of questioning you as a college football player. I'm kind of like, <laughs> I'm like, what's guys like? So like, what were you doing there? It's like, you're kind of your pet, you know what I'm saying? Like, but whatever. I didn't enter the transfer portal though. It's so weird. Such a, I'm glad TO over here got, you know, an offer pretty quick and got moved on to a new school because it can be a pretty st- stressful process to be quite honest with you. Yeah. What, uh, Odie, what was it like? Um, you know, cause it, it's, it's for me, I transferred, let's see, um, I transferred from Oklahoma State, I transferred from Southwestern College, and then transferred transferred from NEO, and then finished my last two years at Albany, um, and then cut my Albany career short after four years of college football and graduating, and uh, man, those are, those are some, you know, those are some tough conversations to have with your current coaches that you're leaving, uh, because, you know, depending on depending on the relationship that you had with your coaches um, and depending on your status that you were there, whether you were on scholarship or you weren't um, you know, though you were a part of a team, you know, you're, those are your coaches. They're supposed to be leading you. They're supposed to be um, the authorities around. And uh, man, whenever you're, whenever you're a kid growing up, right. I mean, you're not, it doesn't seem like you're, you're supposed to challenge authority on a regular basis right now we can talk about all the moral issues that like, yeah, there's, there's times where it's like, yo, this is not right. Um, But uh, to, to look at a coach as an authority figure and then say, Hey, um, I know that I made this commitment to the team and to you and to myself for, for this, uh, for this opportunity here to play. uh, But I'm going to leave, I'm going to cut this short. I'm going to leave and I'm not going to uphold my end of the bargain. Now, again, we could argue again uh, about, you know, co- coaches upholding their end of the bargain, but um, what, what was that conversation like uh, with, with Albany? Cause this is your first time transferring to leave. And yeah. what was that conversation like? So, I mean, like, so going into like the, making the decision, like it was hard because it's like, like Albany's been like the only place I've like been at. And like, you know, coach G is like the only one who gave me a scholarship out of high school. So like, you feel like, being how I grew up, like you feel some sort of like commitment and like love, like, like you don't want to like disappoint like your coaches or like, you don't want to disappoint like your teammates and like being a leader on the team. Like it was hard to like come come full circle and be like, like this, this is what best, what what is best for me, you know, but I, it came to the conclusion, like at the end of the day, like who cares what anybody thinks you just got to do what, what's best for you. 
you know, at the end of the day. And that was, at the end of the day, that was the best decision in my, in my opinion, you can say whatever you want to say, but in, in way I thought, it's not like I made a decision like right away, I'm going to go transfer. Like there was a lot of thought process involved into it. So like having the conversation was not easy because it's like, like you feel like you letting them down, but at the end of the day, you got to come to the conclusion of like, Hey, this is what's best for me. And as long as you go in to take that approach, like whatever they say, like who cares? Like you're doing what's best for you. As long as you can live with, live with yourself, like being like, yeah, this is what's best for me. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I don't think whatever they say, like it doesn't really matter. And like, you know, there might be the, the coaching at that point can like say they can burn the bridge or they can continue to help support you. And unfortunately I think at a lot of places, you know, they burn that bridge, you know, to where screw you, you know, whatever, you're not allowed to do this. You're not allowed to do that. Like whatever. And and I also think it's like important to approach, like how you take it, like with your coach, like for me, it was like, I let them know in November, um, Hey, that I was going to transfer and like pretty much saying like, Hey, my scholarship's good. Like the first day of the spring, I'm going to transfer. Then I'm not going to tell you like, Hey, I want to come back and then be like, Oh, well, actually I don't see you later. You know, like, so there's also like both side of things where I try to take like the best approach to be like, Hey, I'm going to try to do this the right, the best way I can possible. And at the end of the day, whatever the coach says, like, you know, you just got to live with whatever he says, but you got to just stick to yourself and stick up for yourself. Um, Because at the end of the day, the coaches are, it's a dictatorship. You know, the coaches have all the power in the world to, you know, do whatever. But at the end of the day, you also have to take some of that power away and be like, you know, I can do this, you know, you know, that's what I was going to ask you. That's what I was, I wanted to ask you has, because when me and Nick were there, the transfer portal was still relatively new. Now that it's been around, obviously for maybe like four or five years, you have NILs now has the power dynamic changed at all. Like do these coaches treat you more like a free agent as opposed to like cattle, you know, or so like, so like, I I think there's different approaches. So like for me being a graduate transfer, like they and they can see that i'm mature enough to that they treat me like an adult they actually treat me like an adult like so and 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 also if there was coaches that didn't treat me like an adult that was just like off-putting so it's like i really don't want to deal with you if you're not going to treat me like an adult like if that's the way you're going to come at me with like how you're going to recruit me but they there's a lot of undergraduate like freshmen sophomore you know even juniors or even there's even some graduate transfers that like are not mature and that you're still treating like a high school or kid like how you're recruiting a high school kid like look at all this stuff look at all you know like you know like the swag or like whatever it is um but i mean i wouldn't say that there's like they would treat you kind of like a free agent a little bit but like i said from a standpoint of like the coaches still have the power like they can just go find whoever they want and replace you even if you're on a team like you're on full scholarship you've done everything in your power they can still go bring in like whatever graduate transfers that they want and still have them play over you. It's not like the, it hasn't really changed. It's just, it just has given you, you particular more freedom, but it's also tough because there's so many kids. And like, if you don't have any film or you don't like, you don't have a plan to be able to like, Hey, here are the schools I want to go to. Like, I'm going to continue to reach out and pursue. You got to kind of, you almost got to be your own promoter like you just got to promote the crap out of yourself you gotta be your best marketer so that's like at the end of the day it's like it hasn't really changed it's just it's given the student athletes an ability to go where not necessarily wherever they want but 
um, giving them the power. But at the end of the day, the coach is the one giving them a scholarship. So, yeah, um, I would so, say most athletes are probably so, still pretty marginalized. No, so it's and and, and it, like a lot of like even FCS schools get or FCS guys get screwed because like they're just gonna bring in FBS kids that they think are better, which they're not better. Like I've been in Albany for a while, and they've brought so many FBS kids in, and I'm like none of these kids are any better they're actually worse than like well also FCS i think players i think something that goes along to that because when i was at nevada or even at albany transferring especially as like a receiver or a corner or some other type of position and quarterback as well not everybody has the mental endurance to go from one school to another and go you know take the coaching and then go to another school and then basically have to like relearn a system and not really just also relearn a system but like if you're a guy who works hard does everything the right way when you play college football you are guilty until proven innocent with the coaching staff I mean like Mm -hmm. literally and then sometimes you're even a really great guy uh you do everything the right way and you don't make as many plays in practice as they'd like and so they still don't like you even though you are innocent so it's yeah for every for everybody listening if there's any perspective college football players i know that's not typically our audience but um it's not really a fair game and listening to Odie, i don't know about you nick i am so happy to be done (laughs) with all of that you know (laughs) the real world like uh starting a podcast just working being into bitcoin like kind of getting to decide what to do all the time and college football taught me a lot of things that now in the real world i have a huge advantage on other people absolutely you know absolutely um i think one of the bigger things is that you have to be in the shit for a while to make a decision like transferring and leaving you have to like give yourself to the team and then be like all right i gave myself to the team team didn't give themselves back to me probably time for me to go Uh, to have that experience in the real world because now in, in the real world you have to know when to move jobs or you have to know when to move on from somebody in business, or you have to know when, Hmm. yeah, this is just not the right feeling. And you have to know the biggest thing is you could ask two smart people, the same question and their instincts are going to give you two different answers. So you have to learn to trust your own instincts and college football does a pretty damn good job of teaching you that. If you have any self-worth, if you don't, you know, if you go to college football and then you don't want to play from the rip, think you're just going to suffer for a few years, get your scholarship and dip. But if you want to play and you want to be a dude, you know, you have to start learning a lot of real world things. You just don't know it until you get out of it. So, but it's cool. It's cool. Yeah. That's, I mean, I, about like, it, honestly, I like I thought about like retiring, like being done. Cause I was just so fed up with like college football, like, but it kind of is like, man, like there's just some sort of urge or like you want to just play and like finish it out. Like it was, it was definitely like, there was like a thought of like, do I, do I just go be a regular student like and just be done like with it like you know that was a, like a, that was like a viable actually thought but it was like nah like uh, there's too there's way too many more benefits from like college football of like you know getting a scholarship or like playing in a game or like stuff like that where you know that hard all that hard work or all the bs that you like have to deal with you know is worth it at in the end in the long term you know yeah, for when you're 40 in years down the road when you're in it, you're in it. Then, you know, you probably, you, you don't want to get out of that cycle. Like your mental focus is really good, which will serve you well when you transfer to your new school, for sure. I have a, I w- would like to move this probably maybe to like a more financial question. So well, I would that. like to know the locker room environment surrounding like 
cryptocurrency over the last year do people talk about it are guys like trading their like what are they called uh scholarship checks are they putting it in dogecoin and like trying to get it to go <laughs> trying to get it to go 10x and like come to the locker room and like flaunt how much money they make or is it not really much no it's not really a thought like about it like like if i i kind of really didn't like this is like the first year like i've actually like done like done some certain things like whether it's a stock market or crypto or like other investment like ideas or like things that i put my like extra like all whatever is the extra um you know with the, the stipend or whatever they want to call it um so i i, I think it's still going to be more materialized just because you know when you're 22 20 19 years old or whatever you are in college football you're not really thinking about like the long-term financial situations you're thinking about, Oh man, I need a new pair of J's or I need a new watch or like, I'm going to buy a car or like all these other things, which in the long term, which I kind of got put in perspective of like, man, I want to retire, you know, I want to retire early. Like I want to spend like the rest of my, I don't want to, I don't want to work the rest of my life. Like I want to find something I love to do, but I don't want to work like till I'm, freaking 80 80 years old like i want my goal is to retire like before 60 you know and i think that's like a, a, a hopefully a possibility um but i think it all starts like starting or start kind of starting early so like i think that's like um kind of important to to i think to have some sort of like especially with this nil stuff now you know where people and i wouldn't say at the fcs level people are like making like millions and millions of dollars because that's just false. Um, but I think there's need to be some sort of like, especially if you're going to get a stipend or these other things that there probably should be like, you know, you can do whatever you want with your money, but if you want to be smart with your money, like maybe you should start thinking about like other things, like whether it is Bitcoin or, you know, the stock market or other things like to invest in, instead of, like I said, you're spending on material things or you're just having it in a bank account with like inflation. Uh, as we're as we're you know we're talking about that so like i i don't think that there's like there's not much at all and it, it might be different at albany it might be different at other schools but in albany it's not really like a thought process i, yeah, I don't could you I, imagine living in albany with like a thousand dollar check for the entire semester and gas is like a hundred dollars <laughs> like i would i would have been screwed because <laughs> the fcs level it's not you don't get paid as well literally like we like and this is why college football is a business you literally do not get paid as well you still get paid you still get your scholarship but you don't get a monthly check you get like a semester check and the semester check is like i don't know tiddly bops man like you ain't, you ain't getting a lot with it and i think it's just insane i don't know if William hey odie uh kind of Ooh. question for you because griff and i talked about this um regarding college and and now kind of where we're at um, you know, I, I, I'm assuming you've taken your fair share of economics classes. Have you ta you've taken micro and macro? Uh, yeah. Have you taken any other economics or finance classes? Yeah, I've did some like money and banking and um, okay. stuff like that about, you know, the economy. But I also just like, like I said, over this past, I would even say like six months, I've got like, I've done some research and some like, I wouldn't say it's like in-depth research to like the point that you guys are, but I've done some like surface researching of like, Hey, what, what can I do to like, to help myself, you know, from a financial standpoint of like, 
you know, I got, I got a couple, couple like side, you know, side cash of like, Hey, I got some money here. Like, you know, cause it's not costing me the full, whatever it is. Um, so like, what can I do with that? Could to actually like make some money or stuff. Um, so kind of a, uh, I'm, I'm interested to hear your answer on this because, you know, I think Griff and I talked about this in maybe our first episode and, and maybe a couple others, but before, before I had started learning about Bitcoin and, and, and keep in mind, I worked in the traditional financial industry for 16 months before I, I'm interested to know what you think is money whenever, whenever we talk about, cause you know, w- w- you're sitting here, you, you've mentioned uh, the stock market, you've mentioned Bitcoin. Um, we've talked about the umbrella term of crypto. Um, if I ask you, what is money? What is your answer? Yeah, I think of money as like more of an exchange for goods. Um, you know, I'd say purchasing power as well. You know, when we talk about the economic, like, you know, like I said, how much, how much is that? It's at the end of the day, it's trading materials for materials you know like however you want to look at it goods for you know practically goods i mean you could say you could call you know it's a currency but it's still like a physical piece of thing um you know now we're turning it more into like uh into digital and stuff like that with like you know um stocks and stuff like that so it's like a little different but i would say like like i said it's just more of like an exchange uh, exchange for, uh, you know goods of goods practically you know is what, what, do you believe that money is physical is that are you you, you kind of so, mentioned that it is so a physical I wouldn't thing. say it's actually physical like it's not like physical because it's like technically it's not in my opinion because it's it, money's money like but whatever you a dollar is not a dollar because like you know again you have purchasing power so like however much you're able to purchase you know that one dollar with you know can vary and it's been able to vary over time so you know it's not necessarily a, it's, it's it's still physical but your purchasing power is not the same um do you so you mentioned we mentioned uh, inflation a little bit there um do you know do you know like how would you define inflation and and what causes it uh and i don't know you may not know that exact answer but uh, and yeah. i i know that we never we never talked about that i mean griff and i took our fair share of economics and finance classes in college um, and, and I never, I never once learned about inflation. I don't inflation think. is legalized counterfeiting. That's what inflation is. <laughs> yeah, it I mean, is. I mean, think about it. It, probably it is. really is legalized counterfeiting. It doesn't matter what view you look at it. Inflation is a marketing ploy that was sold to the public, just like social security was just like the vaccines are, I think. And you don't have to be some right wing nut to realize that not everybody has the same interests as you. And Odie could speak to this and talk about it a little bit like inflation or whatever, <clears throat> but your college coaches have no incentive to tell you that you're never going to play if they need you to be a practice squad guy for the next Correct. few years. And they're going to, they're going to market it in a way that when you go to the end of the year meeting, Oh, Odie, you, you know, you got a chance like you can do this or we're going to do that or blah, blah, blah. They get you fired up for another year. Oh, practice squad. And at the end of the day, like, Hey, listen, just like uh, minimum wage workers, like everybody in the American economy has a role to do, just like a football team. And in order for America to the end of the day, be very strong, you know, you do need a collective buy-in and you need even the practice squad guys to do really well for everybody to be happy. So I don't know, like that's kind of what inflation to me in college, like, I mean, all of these things can be conflated uh, together because it's like, 
it, they lie to you. And inflation is a lie from central banks saying like, oh, the economy is growing, oh, this, oh, that. But your wages, your stipend checks don't get higher semester to semester with inflation. So how in the world can they continue to do this? It's just so weird. Yeah, I mean, I'd agree. I, I think that to an extent, like I said, when going back to Nick, it's just, you know, what I've learned on inflation is, and, and it's very, again, I'm from a more of a 30,000 feet perspective here. I'm not in the nitty gritty like you guys are, but like, it's just more of like printing of money. So there's more money. So it's worth less. You know, it's, you know, it's like, it's like having baseball. Uh, I use an analogy of like baseball cards. You know, you go, like, if you guys are into baseball cards, like they print millions of baseball cards of a certain, you know, a certain baseball card. And then there's that million out there. So it's worthless. You know, the less and less of it you get, you know, of a, like, let's say you have, you know, where we talk about like the, the most famous um it's like the honus wagner um card or whatever cigarette card you know there's like 13 in the world of or 14 in the world whatever it is of this card so it's worth a lot more so it 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 goes hand in hand of like hey since there's more money it's it's more accessible to for people to get you know it's it i wouldn't say accessible but there's they're printing more money so there's more of it so it's devaluing it and what i get frustrated like i said with uh, is like you know the government's the one printing the money no, if the, I think if they if they looked at like inflation, wouldn't they be like, hey, let's let's uh, let's do some things to let's change that, you know? And they might claim that they're doing certain things, but uh, to the to make you know the or the public to be like, oh, we're taking care of it, you know? Like, uh, but they at the end of the day, like it's it's frustrating because you know they're not. It's it's frustrating and good at the same time because like the U S government continues to make small mistakes and it won't at some point it's going to kill us, I think. And I, and I hope that day never comes, but we're, you know, we're, we won't make drastic changes just because of how slow like government moves because of how many, you know, how many processes that it has to go through. Um, unlike some other countries where, you know, they can fluctuate very easily because of how much power uh, certain people have. But, um, you know, I just think it's, it's just kind of frustrating and, and, and it's frustrating. I think from, I have to listen to your couple of your guys' episodes, like where we come like the housing market or like inflation and like these other things of like, they're really screwing, like the generation before us is really, really screwed us now. And when, when you're getting a job and you're trying to find a place to live, like there's no place for you to go live because guess what? You only have you just started. You don't have necessarily the money to be able to go do that. And there's, again, we talk about supply and demand. Like there is a high demand for, you know, houses, but there's only so many houses out there, you know, mm-hmm. that they're going over for um, listing price, you know, and it's, and, and the market is up because everyone's like, man, I can go since the, the demand is so up, I can go sell my house or whatever it is, you know? I but, think it's but so I, high too. You can almost feel. I don't know how you feel, Odie. Like not studying it as much. Um, some of these things, like just to bring it back, the government and and what you were just talking about, it's very similar to the fact that when I was at Nevada, I got sold on the fact that they were going to have an indoor uh, facility at some point for me to practice in. Yeah. Then I train. Then I'm transferring, and I'm at Albany. Oh, we're going to have an indoor. <laughs> it's like new locker room. Like, new locker yeah, room. we're going to have whatever. We're going to cancel student debt. It's like, uh, but like, no, you're not. Because at the end of the day, you can't really just bring money out of thin air. It just doesn't work that way. It's just so crazy, like how it just continues to like <clears throat> play itself out 
and what frustrates me is like we continually to there's no change like we continue to hire or to elect like politicians mm-hmm. where we need like in my opinion and whether and i'm not saying government's going to solve everything because i think like to an extent like the people can do so much but when it comes to like currency like that's a that's u.s government so like we need some i think we need some different perspectives of some like different financial people like where they're not we're, we're, we're not just in the same rut over and over yeah. again like we're just going to, we're digging ourselves a deeper grave like what I, what i think is is good was we need some outside perspective of different people now granted that's going to be really hard because of again uh you know with funding you need a bunch of you already have to be rich you, you know there's certain criteria you have to be to you know be a representative of the u.s government but i think as a as a country as a whole from at least from a financial perspective i think we need some um some open free market thinkers um in in government and i just think that like i said i think we make small mistakes but over time those mistakes you know get us in you know shitholes at the end of the day so like we need we need some new outside perspective of very of thinking of, of thinking like i think that's that's where we need to continue to lead down and like i said it's like we have these same people these politicians salesmen that are selling us these things and when they're selling us one thing they're actually doing something complete opposite if you actually go in and, and dive da- dive into like you actually go and read which who is going to actually going to go who's going to go read you know a 50 60 page paper thing that they actually wrote instead of oh i'll just go look at you know the news feed and be like oh look at the headline and read the first paragraph and be like oh they're actually fixing it and on the actually the surface or below they're actually not fixing it yeah does it make you feel any better that u.s dollars are backed by the full faith of the u.s government <laughs> yeah. it's like, isn't That's it so funny man uh i think it's really cool listening to you talk about money you've already brought up inflation you brought up absolute scarcity you brought up uh basically like trust is a very big thing but you can't really trust anybody with your money you can't trust a central authority with your money so i guess i would bring this right into so like what do you know about bitcoin like what do you actually do you know a lot about so, it do you like so i don't do like what do you think I, bitcoin is kind of so thing? so way griff my perspective on bitcoin is I look at it as, as not necessarily a currency. I look at it as more of a, practically another stock that is almost, um, that is not regulated necessarily. So it's more of a free market, you know, and that's, that's kind of my basic under, view of, in my opinion of it. And I understand that. There's Hold on, Odie, before, before you get too far into the weeds here and get yourself in a whole um, stock of what? Huh? Is stock the correct word that you want to use? I, I don't know if stock is necessarily the correct word. I, I it's hard because it's like an anomaly, in my opinion, because Agreed. it's not. It, it is a phenomenon, hundred percent. It's not like they don't teach the history of money, Nick, in college. It's crazy. Like unless you have somebody, it, it really is wild. So Odie, it's it's interesting to look back. Um, if you it, you ought to go check out the Bitcoin Standard by Saifedina Moose. Um, really has a um a rich history of money in that and and um dude it's uh it's wild to look at so many civilizations before us and and nations before us um rome uh native american 
Um, there's a, a great story of these, uh, these Yap Islands where they used rye stones as money at one point. And, and also too, to, to clarify um, Griff and I's thoughts on what money is. Money is not uh, a thing or a tangible good. It's uh, money is, is supposed to represent economic value that was created. Um, and, and that economic value that is created is created through uh, expending our time and our labor into creating some good or, or service in, uh, in the economy, whether you're an employer or an employee, um, you know, because before, before we had money, uh, we operated on a, on a barter standard, right? A barter system yeah. where, you know, you, you create and produce apples and I produce oranges, uh, but but the inherent it, it, and that works that works great if if the two parties or you know however many parties are involved in the transaction want to trade what the other is producing right, right? or or is is giving as a service. Um, the inherent issue with that is the scalability because what happens if you produce bananas and I produce oranges and I want your bananas but you don't want my oranges? Hmm. So th- then what do we do right? And that's where money comes in as a medium of exchange. Um, and so it's, it's interesting to look back on, on several examples in history where um, we, we find ourselves right where we're at right now, where um, we had some, some supply of money and whoever the producers were of that money produced more because whoever produces the money, um, they are the ones that, that stand to benefit the most and the holders of that money uh, stand to lose the most. Um, as you mentioned earlier, right, if, if I hold if I hold a thousand dollars and then the federal government decides that they're going to print, you know, a trillion more dollars, well, then my thousand dollars just now immediately became less of the whole. It, it lost its buying power, right? It lost right. its value. Um, and that's, uh, that's absurd, man. Do it, T.O. I'm telling you, I think uh, we have to have T.O. back on in like a month and we need to give him like a good amount of material or maybe just like a few videos to watch about bitcoin and kind of give him maybe a good idea because i was gonna say he sounds like the easiest orange pill i've ever had like <laughs> because his mind you're, you're very open-minded to you you're very smart you're open-minded you're going to get your mba and i think you really really should look into bitcoin quite hard because i've actually had quite a few friends um go get their mbas and quite honestly just think they're way way excuse my language podcast way fucking smarter than they actually are um because the people take education nowadays and they take degrees and they take these things uh that do not matter in the real world because i can promise you in a business deal it's going to matter about the type of person you are and how much you know about what you're you're bringing to the table so it'd be cool for you to understand bitcoin a little bit because i can promise you uh, my economics degree is such an interesting story. I started learning about Bitcoin when I was door dashing in Albany. I, and we, me and Teal had a class together my last semester in Albany, yeah. some, like Excel class that was such a waste of freaking time. <laughs> uh, but I had to get it to graduate. It was like one of my nine classes in my last semester. And man, Teal, I'm telling you, uh, the moment I started like listening to Bitcoin was a pretty large reason why I didn't want to continue to play college football after Albany. It was a pretty big reason why uh, I wanted to get into the workforce because I was like, uh, this is a really asymmetrical opportunity for young people like us. And it, it really will only be as lucrative uh, for a little period of time. And on top of that, 
Bitcoin changed the way I viewed the world, the way I viewed business, the way that I view economics, the way that I view government, the way that I view people. It, it's, an, it's an insanely uh, very encompassing, I wouldn't say, pro, it's a very encompassing technology. Um, and really the biggest premise, we all, tra- you talked to earlier, he was talking about transacting with each other, right? Like you were saying, transacting services and goods and, and things like that, which I thought was really unique because you wouldn't have somebody who doesn't know Bitcoin talk about money in that way. So I thought that was why I was like, this is going to be so yeah. easy for this guy. <laughs> Bitcoin is the first time in human history, there is a way to transact your economic value with nobody in between. And it's the most secure, absolutely scarce form of that money the world has ever seen. But that's really the big deal here, T.O. That's why I I enjoy it. And we don't need a government. We don't need a bank. We don't need literally anything. It's an open permissionless network. And it's, that is the real technological revolution that, you know, is a, it is a big part of what Bitcoin is. The fact that we can transact our value now with nothing in between us. So like, I was like, kind of like, like, so six months ago when I actually started like investing and doing different things, like with my money, I was like, like, I've heard all these things about Bitcoin, but I was scared because I'm like, I don't know what it is. Yeah. But as I learned a little bit more and more, I was like, man, this is like, has some of my morals or stuff that I believe in. Yeah. Because it's like free market. Like I'm a big person that believes in free market. And I, like, Mm. I, like I said, I haven't done any like necessarily research like in-depth research as you guys have done like to do it but my like i said my view is like it's i can't explain necessarily what it is but it's like it's knowing that hey it's a free market and and that's what like incentivizes me and like i'm continuing to buy like honestly like more and more bitcoin because of like the value knowing the value of it being open and free you know and like there's no like government involved you know and at the end of the day like government can do some good things but i think a lot of the time like governments do some pretty screwed up things like and that don't necessarily help the people so that was one of the reasons why first initial reasons and one of my main reasons where i'm like man this is like this could be something really cool if it can stay like this you know what's interesting um you know we 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 talk about uh we talk about bitcoin and and money and economics as this is this like financial monetary good, right? This financial thing. Um, it's, it's about money, but it, and, and Griff, Griff will go off on, on long tangents about how much more money really impacts. Um, it, it's interesting to look back again. I'll, I'll refer back to the Bitcoin standard again. Um, and, and there's, there's several other podcasts and, and articles and things that you can read about it. But, um, and, and I think we're going to do an episode about it here in a couple of weeks, but time preference and money, and how much that really affects civilization and the people and the culture. Um, dude, it's crazy. Like all, whenever you think about the great Renaissance period, um, the industrial revolution, any, any huge times in human history, the, the great Roman empire, whenever it was building and building and building up to, you know, up to its, uh, to its peak, right. All of these things happened in times of sound money. And th- those things happened in times of sound money because people had uh, certainty looking into the future, right? Uh, and they had uh, to, to talk about time preference. They had um, they had low time preference, meaning they could forego things today for something in the future, right? And uh, right now, where we're sitting with inflation the, the way it is, um, with 
money, the, the, the money supply in the control of the government, um, people are now forced into a, a position of having a high time preference, meaning they've got to spend it as much as they can now and today because it is being eroded over time by inflation, right? As the money supply increases, I think since uh, 1913, the cumulative inflation percentage number is like 2,300%. That is absurd, right? And so what, what does that do? What does that cause? That causes us to no longer prioritize saving because if you, Odie, if you, if you took a thousand bucks and you put it in your bank account today in a oh. checking account, or even it's a over. savings account, it's over that that money is not going to be this. It, it, it's not, no. you know, a thousand dollars will still be a thousand dollars, but a thousand dollars in five or 10 years Oof. will not have the same buying power Correct. in five or 10 years. Right. Um, and, and so the interesting part, right. To think about is with Bitcoin being an absolute, an absolute scarce monetary good. Um, I don't know if you know this or not, Odie, but there will only ever be 21 million Bitcoin in supply. And what that does not know that. is it, it allows people to uh, to know that, hey, if I if I save if I save my economic value in Bitcoin, that 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 amount of Bitcoin that I hold today will be the same portion of the whole yep. any time in the future. Yep. And what does that allow us to do? Right. When we talk about culture and civilization and, and people uh, real life. Right. It allows us to save more for the future. It allows us to think more into the future. It allows us to think about our kids and our grandkids. Uh, we talked about this a little bit um, a couple episodes ago about, I, I think it's uh, either our generation or maybe one generation ahead of us um, that has said that they, they, and they're the first generation in history, in American history, I believe, to say, we don't think the future is going to be better than what we've got. We think it's going to be worse. And that is not good because then that inherently pushes people to a, a short mindset, a, sh a short time frame that they're looking at. It, and it doesn't allow for innovation into the future because we are uncertain about the future, right? Uh, Bitcoin is huge in that where, um, you know, and, and it's tough because right now Bitcoin is just treated as a speculative risk asset, right? By, by the vast majority of people. And, and I think that that is for several reasons. A couple of the main ones, or one of the main ones being, uh, the infrastructure isn't quite there yet to uh, pull out your phone and use your use your uh, you know Apple Pay or you know any other service really and go buy your regular buy your gas buy your groceries buy you know and you can do that in some parts of the country and there's several third party services you can use to to use your Bitcoin to buy things online but at this point the infrastructure is not there to use it as a medium of exchange like you were talking about Odie um, yeah. And it's uh, it's wild. But yeah, I, I do agree, though. Bitcoin does hold um, a lot of the core principles in itself that I hold within myself and the things that I believe uh, similar to yourself there. Just to take it to just one step further from what Nick was going to, because I was hoping Nick was going to say this, too. When you think about everything Nick just said as well, your money is just a re representation of your time. Time is actually money. I think that's one of the biggest things when you start looking into Bitcoin is you realize money is time. I know it's like a saying in like SpongeBob SquarePants or whatever, like time is money, Mr. Krabs, whatever, the whole thing. <laughs> but time is literally money. And humans go around, all we do is transact our time with each other. And so under that school of thought, inflation, taxes, all of this stuff, they're stealing your time from you. 
And think about that for somebody who lives in the inner city or somebody who grows up in a, a middle income family. If you're devaluing their time Oof. just by inflating it, well, the thing is, is that, you know, somebody who's unskilled, somebody who doesn't make a lot of money, somebody who has to do a by the hour job, they can only make so much money with their time. So they can only go get so much with it. So if you're devaluing what the money is, you're essentially devaluing everybody's time. And that's kind of the big thing people are missing about this whole upcoming inflation recession is that, yeah, they could theoretically just print money all the doodah day long, but you're marginalizing a large group of people, especially people without assets that can protect themselves in times of inflation. Because if you don't have a house right now, your time is essentially not worth shit because, I mean, I make a lot of money. And it doesn't really matter all that much. I don't have a house that's increasing with inflation. So I'm not really like, I'm not really winning as much as it would be. I should when it comes to, okay, one Bitcoin is one Bitcoin or one Satoshi is one Satoshi. Okay. So like I make, if you made money in 1985, theoretically your money should have more value, not less value 25 years later. And if you hold your money in a savings account in America, Oh my goodness, give $10,000 to a bank. They're going to go lend it out within 10 minutes. You're going to go back there. They're going to be like, well, we can give you about 30% of your money back. And you're going to be like, why can't I have all my money? Because banks lend it out for a 15% return and give you 0.5% in your savings account while inflation's at 7.5. So it's time theft. And if you think about it even further, 30-year mortgages with, for people who really can't afford them, you're borrowing 30 years of time to get that home now. And these homes are so, so over, I mean, they're they're so overvalued. And you know, that's great for people who own homes, but think about this too. It's a bunch of bag holders, people who are buying these homes right now, because in five to 10 years, if this market doesn't continue to go up, they can't refinance to restructure their mortgage. They can't make that $450,000 payment on that home because their home's worth 250. And now they can't even sell out of it. So just to, I mean, Nick said so many great things, but when you're getting into Bitcoin or when you're thinking about money, I just hope more people realize it is literally your time they're stealing from you. It's not just like, it's not just, uh, you know, a couple dollars here and there. It's literally your time. And you, I think we all agree on this. Time's the most precious thing we have only for one simple fact. You can't get it back until they invent a time machine. So that's why time Bitcoin is the only absolutely scarce monetary asset on this planet, but time is the only scarce, truly, absolutely scarce thing in this world. You cannot get time back. So you cannot get that economic value back, especially if they're just cutting you out from underneath. You know, it's like, it's crazy, man. And they don't teach kids in college that because most of those kids borrowed 20 years worth of time to just drink on a Saturday night. And now they're going to go slave away for the rest of their lives because you want to know what? Not everybody is Elon Musk or not everybody's even worth for their time's not worth that much. I mean, you go to a free marketplace, Odie, if you're not skilled or you don't bring something to the table or you, you know, at the end of the day, if you're a rich person and it wasn't just spoon fed to you, you earned it in some way. Your time was very valuable. So not everybody's time can be that valuable. And if we don't increase the strength of our money, if we don't increase that buying power you were talking about earlier with our money, and we just let 
every marginalized person in this country's time just get freaking cut out with 7.9 fake percent inflation. God knows what it actually is. Where are we going to be in 20 years? Dude, we're, we're going to be screwed. And it brings me to my point. Boomers are selfish. I'm glad I got to say that on the podcast today. They're selfish, man. <laughs> they don't care about us. They're all the ones that are elected right now. Social Security, Medicare, they're pretty much done. I mean, we're like in a bad way economically because we voted the same people into power and they've played the same game for so long. And the U.S. dollar being backed by the full faith of the U.S. government is like, dude, I'd rather have monopoly money. Honestly, that's why I buy Bitcoin. I'd rather have monopoly money than U.S. dollars. I mean, I just don't feel like they care about us. So sorry, I have to, I do have to go on a tangent, Nick. That's why we have the podcast. Like that's why (laughs) we're here. I mean, it's crazy what they're doing right now. And they don't tell MBA students this. They don't tell kids in college this. I took economics. Me and Nick were in the same classes. We're in your money and banking class, money and banking 350. We learned about too big to fail. We all took that class. Too, Too big to fail is the biggest joke played onto the American public ever. All of those companies, theoretically, 2008 should have been a crash twice the size of what it even was, if we're really talking about where money should be right now. And if you look at those charts that Nick was showing, the NASDAQ, the S&P, the housing market, um, a lot of commodities, a lot of assets, if you look at how inflated everything is right now, because they're literally just stealing people's time, (sighs) <sighs> who knows where we're going to go? That's why I implore you, implore you to buy one of those Bitcoin because in 10, 20, 30 years, there's only 21 million of them. There's only 2.1 quadrillion Satoshis. So there's only enough for everybody in the world to have about 300,000 Satoshis. And if you truly believe in sound money, everything will get cheaper once we start adopting Bitcoin. So what you need to watch with Bitcoin is much less what the buying power of it is in US dollar, much more of what the buying power of it is just in real life. And you're going to see pretty shortly, like one Bitcoin can probably buy like $45,000, can buy a lot of stuff. One Bitcoin, there's only 21 million. There's 56 millionaires. There's only 21 million Bitcoin. If you have a whole Bitcoin, dude, that thing's going to be able to buy a country in, in probably in like 100 years. In 10 years, it's going to be able to buy you a house in 20 years, it's going to be able to buy you a neighborhood. If you have a whole Bitcoin, I mean, that's how scarce and absolutely important it is, but uh, all right, I'm done on my tangent. I just, Odie, you have any thoughts there on that? That was uh, kind of a long couple of pieces there. Yeah, I agree. I I think, I think that's very viable, especially that there's a cap on Bitcoin, um, which makes it again, um, you're not like the U S dollar where you're printing money over time. um, And you can dictate how much money you can, print in a certain year or a certain time to be able to make the currency, you know, worth more or less. Um, worth that orange pill in a month, Nick. You know, so hundred <laughs> percent. So I think that um, you know, like I said, I think the future I think the future is bright for people who are outside thinkers um and who have open minds. Um that's one thing, like I said, when it comes to all this is like you got you have to come in even if you've had knowledge, years of knowledge and experience, I think it's important to figure out and continue to have an open mind and be like, you know, I wouldn't say, like I said, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't go to the extent of where Griff is at because that's where I'm at right now of like, hey, you know, I still believe in it, not to like probably the extent that Griff does, but like 
it, I think I can come around to it if, 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 if I b- read and believe what I see um, from, you know, from di- different research, but again, I haven't done the research, so I can't necessarily have the, I have just like a very, um, you know, small percentage of mm-hmm. what it actually is. A lot of people feel like Michael Saylor always says he feels like a hundred hours is the amount. If you put a hundred hours into Bitcoin, he said he's, and I I believe this too. You put about a hundred hours and you think a hundred hours is a good chunk of time, Nick. What do you think that is? Like a few months worth of like hard studying, like actually like watching a lot of videos and reading a lot of stuff or maybe reading a few books. I don't know, but get to that amount of time. And if you're pretty open-minded and you understand economic concepts pretty well, like if you have a pretty good, business mind even like if it's not bitcoiny there are very few people who spend that much time learning about bitcoin that are like not as passionate as nick and i are to start a podcast because once you get to a certain reading level of it just like i'm sure if you got to a certain reading level of any industry i mean you know how much you know about college football to to the outside world i mean you've spent thousands of hours you know what i'm saying so you take that amount of time you put into a sport and you put it into you know, a different skill or a different uh, tool set. And if the tool set is Bitcoin, like me and Nick over here studying this pretty religiously for a while, um, you realize like I would have jumped ship a while ago, just like I would have transferred schools. If Bitcoin wasn't what everybody said it was, I'd have jumped ship a while ago because I've read about it. I've read the white paper. I've read books. I've read more Twitter threads than I care to admit. I've watched more YouTube videos and listened to more podcasts. My most listened to thing on Spotify was the Pomp Show last year because I'm listening to episodes like three times over. But uh, you spend the time and Nick and I will definitely, now that you've been on here, because this is going to be a whole thing. Part one. Uh, we've talked about have to come back on. Have some discussions. Part have some different. he's gonna be like a bitcoin on-chain analyst in a month because he's gonna have such a great you're gonna have the the best thing about bitcoin is everybody who gets into it has their own perspective and you're gonna have a really cool fresh perspective yeah Uh, i love talking to nick about it because i was in it well before nick was but man like he has so many cool perspectives now that he's like getting into it because it's a free market i mean if you really get down to the nitty-gritty on bitcoin and the internet dude it, we're we're creating like a manifest destiny we're creating a new west coast we're creating a new world and it is in bitcoin it is in the internet um and if people don't start learning it you you are going to get left behind in some of these things i mean it's yeah. just just what it is well odie uh we absolutely appreciate you hopping on with us today um i've got uh i've got uh, your youtube and your instagram pulled up where else can people find you yeah, I mean, we're on all, like I said, so YouTube, we post clips, we post the podcast. Um, usually a lot of people enjoy that on there. Um, we also can find us on Instagram, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, you know, we're on anywhere, all Spotify, we're on anywhere you um, get your podcast at, honestly. Um, honestly, thank you guys for coming on here um, and really talking. And like I said, I always like to come in to new things with an open mind. And, um, you know, I think something like your friends and your surroundings can like gear kind of give you like can point you in the right direction, but also can like opinionate you a little bit. I like to just kind of throw that away and, you know, believe it for yourself. You know, they might have an opinion and it might be true, actually true, but you know, having that open mind and stuff like that, I think it's important and not necessarily in Bitcoin, but in any life aspect you do, you know, whether it's a new job or a new place or anything like that, just go in with an open mind and uh you know i think what you guys are doing here is great um 
you know, we'll give you a thanks for uh, having me on and I appreciate you guys, uh, you know, continuing to inform me and uh, about new things that I, I just love learning a new things constantly, whether it's, yeah, I think, or anything. Uh, I think what you hit on there is, is super important. That uh, is really the goal is to, Hey, we hope that we can uh, influence some people to check out Bitcoin for sure. You have to learn it all for yourself. You have to, um, you know, you can't, you can't borrow opinions, but Hey, we appreciate you coming on Odie. Um, come hit us on Twitter. Um, the DMS are open. We, uh, we like to be active and talk with people on here. Um, shoot us some DMS. We'd love to have more guests on. Um, we do now have video on Spotify. Um, but if you are not watching there, you can come watch on our YouTube channel. It is the Nick and Griff show. Twitter is at Nick and Griff show. Come check us out. We appreciate you guys listening to what is this? The 14th episode Griff. I think this wow, is episode number pumping 14. these out. We just do it once Dude, a week. You guys are awesome. Consistency is the big thing. Hey, I love it. You guys are, like I said, you guys will see, I bet you guys will see growth here over the summer. If you guys keep doing it, you just got to get to so many, man. I bet you guys will, you'll see some growth. So I'm really excited to continue to follow you guys. Yeah, buddy. All right, Odie, we will see you next time, everybody. Peace. And we'll see you in the next peace. episode.